up with our prayer request, and we'll have the youth choir open us up tonight, and uh, we're looking forward to that. But I do want to read our prayer request, open in prayer, and then we'll start this way. We want to remember Michael Hagerman. This is Kathy Stewart's grandson. Uh, he is in rehab, and she would like for us to remember him. Let's remember Pat Cimarelli. Please continue to pray for healing. She still has pneumonia. Thanks so much. This is from Kelly Heaton. So let's remember this one in prayer. And then this one is two. Let's remember one. Let's remember our, the men of our church. And then let's remember, it says, my brother Dave. This is from Brian Comley. And then he says, number one, please pray for the men as they lead our families and our children. And then uh, for his brother Dave, he's praying for guidance and for his marriage. And so let's be praying for those things. And definitely, we thank the Lord for what he's doing and our men and how uh, they just have been meeting. And it is. It's uh, a great responsibility to lead our families and to lead uh, and be that kind of example. So we're praying for them and lifting them up. We're going to open up in a word of prayer. I'm going to ask TJ if he would stand up where you are, pray for us, and then the youth choir will sing for us.
That nap was a little too long this morning, I guess. Uh, don't forget, uh, if you do have, if you're looking for uh, the receipt from last year uh, for your giving, uh, Christine Middleman has those. She was out there this morning. You can see her if you have those. Uh, let's not forget 
Tuesday night, 6.30 to 8.30 is Youth Group and Discovery Club. Men's 33 uh, will be on Thursday night at 6.30 at the Fellowship Hall with basketball after that. There's a men's devotion night on February the 3rd. That's also in the Fellowship Hall. Young adults, Saturday, February the 4th, 7 o'clock. Paint night, February 17th, 6 o'clock. So uh, make sure you grab one of those. WMU meeting will be Sunday, February the 19th. Let's not forget also, Saturday, February the 25th, this will be the first of the year, will be the fellowship meeting at Kennett Square Baptist Church. So please remember that. There'll be an executive committee meeting at 6.15, and then the service is at 7. So remember that. And then also we mentioned it this morning, look in your calendars, make sure for those that are in the choir, choir clinic, February 24th through 26th. All right. At this time, we'll have our ushers come for our Sunday evening. This Sunday evening offering will go to the WMU. So let's remember that. Our fifth Sunday night offerings are for the WMU. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity again tonight to be in your house. We pray, dear God, that as we lift up your praises, that you would uh, just fill our hearts with uh, the glory uh, and the wonder of Jesus Christ, our Savior. That, dear God, we would worship in, in awe of his majesty, of his saving grace and what he's done for us. Then, dear God, as we open up the word of God tonight, I pray, dear God, that it would convict, convince, that it would just stir our hearts again uh, to be on fire for you and to love your word even more. We pray that you just use all of these. Be with this offering. We thank you for the WMU, the ministry that they do here at our church and how they minister in so many different ways. We're thankful for it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Page 284. Page 284. Everybody stand.
may be seated.
shelter, I am safe within your hands. You
I don't believe in fairy tales I guess I've outgrown them But that doesn't mean that I don't believe That there's something bigger than me Cause I've seen it in the hospital room When the doctor said sorry There's nothing more we can do but it wasn't through I've never seen a pot of gold At the end of the rainbow I've got a promise I can hold In the middle of the struggle That God, if you said it, you'd perform it May not be how I want you to But here's what I'll do
Wonderful. Well, turn with me, if you would, in your Bible to the book of Joel, the book of Joel chapter number one, and uh, excited to share a little bit out of the book of Joel. Uh, I don't know exactly uh, how many messages I want to preach out of here. I know what I want to preach on tonight. The Lord's been stirring my heart about it, that's for sure, and I'm glad to do that. I want to thank the Lord for uh, just the Sunday that we've already had. I want to praise the Lord for our youth choir. It's awesome to be able to just have young people that will get up and sing the praises of the Lord. It's glad to be. Uh, it's awesome to be a part of a church where your young people are such a big part of it. They work. Uh, they are involved in so many different things. It's absolutely wonderful. Uh, and then also, Daryl just brought the Word of God this morning. And I'm so thankful for that. What a message. Uh, if there was someone here this morning that was lost, uh, they heard the gospel as plain. Look and live. Look and live. Uh, we have definitely felt uh, the, the sting of death and the curse of sin in our world. And it's evident. And we need the saving blood of Jesus Christ in it. And so, Daryl, thank you. Uh, it's just been a great day to be in God's house. Uh, I want us to, again, we're going to go to the book of Joel. We're going to start in chapter 1, verse number 1. Uh, I'm going to read this passage of scripture. Uh, and to be honest, uh, I want to, again, give overview. There's just three chapters in the book of Joel. It's a small book. It's got a lot of things. Uh, and I do, I just, I want to present him a little bit. Uh, I want us to know what we're talking about in the book but then I want us to see something specifically about this man, Joel. When we started out in the book of Hosea, we looked at Hosea's life a little bit there and we kind of brought that out. I didn't know if that would be the way that the Lord would lead again. But again, uh, he showed and just, boy, I've been reading this over and over and over. Uh, and I'm just excited to share it with you. But So Joel chapter 1, verse number 1. Stand with me. Stretch your legs just for a moment. Let's uh, honor God's word as well. Uh, and see what God's word has, and then we'll jump right into it. The word of the Lord that came to Joel, the son of Pethuel. Hear this, ye old men, and give ear all ye inhabitants of the land. Hath this been in your days, or even in the days of our fathers? Tell ye your children of it, and let your children tell their children, and their children another generation. That which the palmer worm hath left, hath the locust eaten. And that which the locust hath left, hath the canker worm eaten. And that which the canker worm hath left, hath the caterpillar eaten. Awake ye drunkards, and weep, and howl all ye drinkers of wine, because of the new wine, for it is cut off from your mouth. For a nation is come up upon you, my land, strong and without number, whose teeth are the teeth of a lion, and hath the cheek teeth of a great lion. He hath laid my vine waste, and barked my fig tree. He hath made it clean bare, and cast it away. The branches thereof are made white. Lament like a virgin, girded with sackcloth, for the husband of her youth. The meat offering and the drink offering is cut off from the house of the Lord. The priests and the Lord's ministers mourn. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity again to be in your house tonight. Pray that you'd help us as we look at your word. Dear Lord, I do believe, I know with all my heart, dear God, that 
you've been using your word in a mighty way in this place. Pray, dear God, that we would be faithful, faithful ministers and faithful uh, to just preach and speak and teach your word in every avenue that you give us in this place. Dear God, tonight, help us again to just focus on your word. Look at what's there, not worrying so much, dear God, about, uh, about trying to pull something new, but dear God, what are you saying? What is right there? And how can I live that in my life this week, like tomorrow morning when I wake up? What would you have me to do different in my life? And we'll praise you for every bit that you do in Christ's wonderful name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So the book of Joel is a great book. It's a small prophet. Uh, again, the minor prophets that we talk about, just three chapters. And really what he sets off to do right away is in chapter number one, we read it there. He starts to tell us about something that's taken place. And that's a locust swarm that has come through and has decimated their land. It's affected lots of stuff and, and it's just caused, caused some devastation. Uh, in other words, it's a natural disaster that's taken place. And we see those occasionally from time to time and they get lots of news coverage. And we know what kind of world we live in, uh, that you know what, it seems like that no crisis goes uh, to waste with our media, right? You know what I mean? They make sure that they get every good out of that crisis, tell us all about it, uh, and make sure that they've got everybody on the spot. That would not have been the case in their day, but as it is, Joel records that at the beginning of his book. As a matter of fact, if you were to kind of look at it, it might be the reason that he decided to even write the book to begin with. And so he writes the book and he starts out with, you understand and you know that this great disaster has taken place. And then as he proceeds through the next chapter, then he starts to go into chapter number two. And even at the end of chapter number one, he starts to describe that this great disaster that's taken place is also a little bit of a warning to you that you need to understand the nation of Israel. You need to understand that God is, is setting the, the stage to do the same thing to you. Your sin and your wickedness is come up before God. The day of the Lord, which is again a big phrase that you could do very well to study throughout the whole minor prophets. The day of the Lord is at hand. The day of the Lord is coming. And he's saying, listen, Israel, if you don't change your ways, then there are armies out there that like that locust swarm are ready to devour you. They're ready to take everything. Now, Joel doesn't just stop there. Joel takes what is going on now and applies it to the, what I call the near future. But then Joel also, as we go into chapter number three, applies it to the far future. As a matter of fact, when you get into Joel chapter number three, he's going to start talking about things that we see in Revelation chapter number 16. Stay with me on this. I don't want to you know, jumble it up too much. I'm just trying to give you what he's doing. So here he sees this plague of locusts. He says, listen, this happened now. Israel, be careful because this is going to happen again. But he said, listen, I also want you to understand that God is a God who also is going to bring about a great day of the Lord. And then he even talks about it. The, 
the, uh, the valley uh, that he's des describing is the valley of Armageddon, is that place of Megiddo where they will be this great battle. And one day, God is going to lay waste to every one of his enemies. That's the kind of God that he is. And so he quotes things that are happening now. He quotes things or prophesies of things that will happen in the near future. And then he prophesies of things that are way off in the distant future. That is important when you study in your Bible prophecy so that you're looking at it and you're seeing what they're doing and where they're going with it. That is the basic overview. Now, the overview that goes through there is beautiful because I skipped all kinds of stuff because Joel also gives beautiful pictures of Israel being restored near future. And then he gives beautiful pictures of the nations of the whole world being restored far future. And he describes the new Eden and how that God will restore his Eden. I get really excited about this stuff because I'm telling you, if there's anything that we need to get a better grasp on, it's that God himself is going to create a new heaven and a new earth. And I think it's something to get excited about. And I'll just be honest, it gets me more excited than the fact of thinking about sitting on a cloud playing a harp, okay? It gets me excited to think about that God himself is going to set up his rule and his reign in a new kingdom, a new heaven, a new Jerusalem, and we will rule and reign with him in that throughout all of eternity. It's amazing what God is doing with all of that. And there will be an earth. You get that? Like, imagine. Anyway, I don't got time. You need to go on your own. That's a whole different topic. But it gets me excited because they talk about it all the time in prophecy. They talk about it all the time that God is going to do this work and he's going to restore it. Now, we see all of that stuff happening in these three short chapters of the book of Joel. And here's what I really want to get to. I wanted to give you that kind of overview of it, but I want you to see this as well. And this is important to me as we bring this to you, because if I had a title for this message, it would be Joel. He's a Bible scholar. Joel is a Bible scholar. You know, we don't know. As a matter of fact, some of the great reading and research that I was reading all about the book of Joel is there like, you know, we have a really hard time figuring out when the book of Joel was written. We don't actually know a lot about Joel himself and who he was, where he came from. But if you read the book of Joel, you know what you find out is that Joel loved the Bible. He loved the Bible. How do we know that? Because he's familiar with it. He doesn't quote it all the time, even though sometimes he actually does. As a matter of fact, in, uh, in chapter number uh, two, verse number 13, which is one of my favorite, the second half, he almost explicitly quotes Exodus chapter 34, which talks about Israel being brought out of the captivity of uh, Egypt. And so right there, he quotes that. Now, I've got to do this kind of quick because this is not where the message wants to go, but I, I kind of feel like I want you to know I did my homework on this and you're not just taking my word for it, okay? So I want you to notice this, that in chapter 3, verses 1 through 16, that he makes reference, not quotes, but he makes reference to Isaiah chapter 13, to Zephaniah chapter 3, and to Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39. 
So if you were to go back and read the third chapter, verses 1 through 16, and then you were to go back and read Isaiah 13, Zephaniah 3, Ezekiel 3, and I did this because I was double checking on it, you're going to see it sounds so much the same. It is talking about the same ideas. And in that one, he's talking about uh, if you go over there to chapter number three and you say, in behold, in those days and in that time when I shall bring again the captivity of Judah and Jerusalem. He's like, look, listen, I will deliver my people. And in those, you're going to see that how God is going to judge the nations that come up against Israel. It's going to happen. And anyway, go back and read them in chapter three. Verses 17 through 21, he's quoting Zechariah 14, or referencing. He is referencing Ezekiel 47 and Isaiah chapter 35. In chapter 2, verse 28 through 32, the uh, parallel to Jeremiah 31, verse 31 through 34, is so prevalent and is also cannot be played. Also, there's no doubt when you read other even minor prophets like Obadiah and Amos, and you look back to, again to Genesis and Exodus, you'll see how Joel is constantly working those phrases and working those words towards a people, remember, who have, what do they have? They have a oral, an oral tradition of the word of God. That means they're memorizing the word of God. And so when someone hears these phrases, their mind goes back and they at oftentimes could quote so much scripture from it and they are knowing, hey, Joel's pointing us here, Joel's pointing us there. And I say all of that just to prove one simple point. Joel loved the Bible, okay? That's the point I'm trying to get across, okay? Did I make it okay? Okay, good, all right. Joel loved the Bible. So now, here's where I want us to think about just for a few moments, okay? And I know you're like, man, this is tons of introduction. I know. But listen, I promise I'll breeze through these points. We'll be done in a minute. So here's what I want us to think about. Joel, a man who, who knows the Bible inside and out, who studied the word of God. He's proven it in his text. And we see that plainly. He sees uh, an event, a current event take place in his time and in his life. And he relates it to the word of God. He reacts to it to teach God's people. Now, I want you to think about this for just a moment. Because I think you know this already. But we react to the current events around us, don't we? Right? And we try to relate them to the Bible, don't we? Thank you, Brother Harry. Harry does. Amen? So we look at them, or maybe we are looking for someone else to relate them to the Bible to us, right? We're going, hey, I want to hear what so-and-so has to say about the, the latest thing that's taken place so he can relate it from the Bible to me so I know what's going on. And, and you don't have to act like you don't know what I'm talking about out there, okay? We're living in a world where, here's the, here's the thing, in the Christian realm, Prophecy stuff sells, okay? You want to do well, okay? Write a book that's going to talk about how the blood moon that they talk about in the book of Joel, that we just saw it, right? Make all the parallels. You'll probably do pretty well, okay? You'll probably do real good with that book, okay? 
But we're not interested in just making parallels. We want to know what the Word of God is saying about it. And we also want to know what it really means. How is it applying? Is it present? Is it near? Is it future? What is God doing among us? How are these things related to us? Guess what? We can take a look at the book of Joel and we can say, here's a man of God who loves the Word of God and he looked at a disaster that took place and he said, I want to make sure that you relate it to your life correctly. Okay? So that's what we're going to do. Do you think I can do that in nine minutes? Amen. Thank you, Brother Ronnie. We've got a, one in the back that believes I can. Here we go. Ready? Number one, my first thing that he does is he relates this. He relates this to them as it's going on. Now, here's what he says. And this is important because this is all about the time. He says, listen, you saw the locust? Do you think it's God's punishment? It is. It is. Here's one of the big things that we got to be careful of sometimes. We see something bad happening in our world, what's going around, and we go, well, you can't blame God. Well, I'm not blaming God, but God is judging wicked people. <laughs> Just in case you were wondering how that's working, we're wicked people, and God is judging them. Okay? God has already been merciful from the very beginning when he didn't kill Adam and Eve right then, right? So it's only of the mercies of God that we are not consumed. And so when someone says, oh, you know, let's be careful at how we look at that, I want you to understand that when bad stuff happens, it, God allowed it, God sent it, God is judging the wicked, okay? God is judging. God is sending a judgment towards the people. Now, here's the other thing that I want you to know about it. God also, and this isn't necessarily in our text, but it's seen throughout other texts, and I feel like we need to bring it out and point it to light with it. Sometimes God does it in ways that aren't, that, that aren't obvious to us, like a, a plague of locusts. Like here they are kind of minding their own business, and it's a plague of locusts, and they're like, man. But sometimes... The consequences of our sinful actions are also the judgment that we reap for what we've done. You will reap what you sow. It's going to happen. We are going to have to face the things that we have done. And here's the other thing, is that God is also long-suffering with us, okay? That God is willing, listen, God is willing to send the nation of Israel a plague of locusts that decimate their crops, that decimate some of their economy and make it difficult for a while so that maybe they will listen to Joel and not be consumed by the armies that are out there. You know, God is okay with sending a little bit of problem in your life Maybe a little bit of pain, maybe a little bit of economic struggle, maybe a little bit of this to avoid a huge failure down the road. Will we listen? That's the big question, right? That's the real big question. God is absolutely so concerned about where we are. And so when we see something in our life 
or when we see something in our nation or when we see even something in our world, I think it's okay for us to say, yes, this is the judgment of God. I know that's kind of, I guess, maybe unpopular, and we don't want to think about it that way. But also in our own life, I, I've, you, you've probably been there and you thought, is God judging me for something? And even me counseling sometimes, I've been so careful to go, well, you know, God, he judged all sin when, when Christ was crucified. And he did. I understand that. But he also wants to get your attention. He wants you to pay attention to what he's doing. And he is willing to send the locust so that the army doesn't have to come. He's willing to do that. As a matter of fact, he's praying with all of his heart. As a matter of fact, if we were to go back and rehearse all of this stuff, he's saying, listen, I blessed you. I gave you everything that you could have ever wanted and guess what? In that moment, you quit listening to me. That's when you stop. So I've got to get your attention. Charles Spurgeon said, anything that causes us to pray is a blessing from God. How often is it only at the worst times of our life that we pause and pump the brakes and go, maybe we should pray about it? God is okay with getting your attention. So for the children of Israel, he relates this to them. God's punishment, the day of the Lord, it's there, it's at hand. It's near, it's future, and it's far future as well. The second thing that he do, does as well in this is not only does he relate the scripture to them, but he also reveals scripture to them. He starts going through, and then when we look at the end of chapter number 3, uh, and we see the fact that there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, and I already kind of preached on this, and I don't want to give it again, but throughout this whole thing, he is showing what God's plan is for them. He is revealing to them that God has a desire to restore you. Isn't it amazing? That right from the very beginning, as soon as man sinned in the garden, that God was like, your, the, your seed will bruise uh, his, his heel, and he, your seed, and I'm messing that up, the serpent's seed will bruise his heel, but your seed will bruise his head. That God had a plan for restoration. As vague as he gave it out in the book of Genesis, he's constantly revealing it to his people. And as we go through the book of Joel and these minor prophets, he starts telling even more of it. And he says things that will make sense later on, like your young men will have visions and see dreams. And we remember all the way in the book of Acts that Peter is preaching that day. And everybody's like, what in the world is going on? And Peter stands up and says, this is what the prophet Joel spoke about, that your young men would see visions and dream dreams and that the Holy Spirit would be poured out upon all flesh. That's what he's revealing. The Holy Spirit of God poured out on all flesh. He is interested in helping them and letting them see all of that. Number three. Number one, he relates. Number two, he reveals. Number three, 
he restores. And I, I kind of already got ahead of myself. But let's go, let's go over to chapter 2. This might be, well, it's a tie. This is one of my favorite verses in this passage of Scripture. I absolutely love this. Chapter 2, verse 25. And I will restore to you the years that the locust hath eaten. I will restore to you the years that you thought were wasted because everything was gone, because you had to go through a trial, because you had to go through a thing. The years that you didn't think you were getting anywhere. God has the ability to restore that. It's like he has the ability to go back in time and make everything worth it what you're going through. The best way that I know to relate this is the story of Joseph. We know that story backwards and forwards, right? We know that Joseph gets put in the pit by his brothers. Instead of killing him, they sell him into slavery. When he goes into slavery, he's working in the house of Potiphar and he goes up through the ranks at Potiphar's house. Potiphar's wife accuses him of, of being a wicked man and they throw him in jail and he goes backwards and he's probably like, God, what are you doing? I'm separated from my family. I'm trying to honor you and now I'm in jail. And then he moves up through the ranks and through all of these years and me telling this story as fast as I can, here is Joseph and he is the prime minister of Egypt. And it is his knowledge that God has given him that has saved the land of Egypt. And now his brothers who, have, who threw him in a pit are standing in front of him and they need his help. And he can save the whole family. And he said, God restored the years that I thought were wasted. I had to be there for every part. Every part of the hurt, I had to go through it so that I could stand right here, right now. Save these people. He restores years that the locust. We go through trials. We go through the things of life. If we can listen to God, and our last point is repent. If we can listen to God and repent, He can restore the years that the locust. He is a. Here's the best part about it: only Jesus Christ can do that. Nobody else. Nobody else. They can't even come close. They can't even. They can't even put you on the right track for the future going forward. They, they, they say, hey, let's turn over a new leaf. Let's do this. Let's do that. Let's try to make it work. They can't even get me going in a straight path now. But not only does Jesus Christ save me, clean me up, and put me on a straight path, but he restores all of my wasted years and makes them worth something. Man, what a God. Amen? What a God that we have. And then he teaches, he shows from the word of God, repent. I believe that Joel showed this by example. If you will read the, ver the, the verses with me, or not right now, the whole book. I'm just going to tell you what I've been doing. You guys got a Bible app on your phone? I hope that you do. If you notice that it'll say, do you want to listen to this? And I get in my truck and I hit play 
and I've been listening to the book of Joel over and over and over and over. And I'll tell you, every time I feel like I get something else out of it. Amen? You ought to do that. Maybe it's not the book of Joel, whatever you're studying. Let the word of God sink in. Amen? I think even by osmosis it works. Amen? But anyway, he tells them to repent. And I think I really feel that he leads them in repentance. He leads them there. But he says this. This is my second favorite verse in this little book of Joel. It's got some good ones in it. Chapter 2, verse number 13. And rend your heart and not your garment. Turn unto the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful. That's Exodus chapter 34, just in verse number 6. He is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness. And repenteth him of the evil. Rend your heart, not your garment. You know what that means already, don't you? God is not worried or concerned about your outward show of repentance. They, in their culture, would sit and rend their garment, sit in sackcloth and ashes and put the ashes on their head, and everybody would know that they were in mourning or that they were repenting. And everybody could come and see and see, oh, what spiritual people they are. They're repenting before God or they're mourning before God. And we see that for the nation of Israel, that this whole idea of repenting and this whole idea of coming back to God became more about the show as their entire religion did, right? Their whole religion became more about the show than it did about their hearts. And we all understand how that happens to all of us, doesn't it? Because anything that we do regularly, anything, and this is even with the sacrifice, and I kind of have a lot that I could say here, but I'm kinda, I feel like I'm kind of short, but you're with me, aren't you? you give, me, give me three extra minutes, right? We sacrifice unto God, right? We do something hard for Him. And then as we continue to make that sacrifice, our life adjusts to that sacrifice. You see what I'm saying? Our life adjusts. See, that's what the nation of Israel did. It was hard for them at first to give up that spotless lamb, right? Because their flocks weren't that big. But over time, they created a process. They created a system where the sacrifice wasn't much of a sacrifice anymore you get that and we do the same thing and we act like we're serving the Lord but we've got a good system and the sacrifice isn't a sacrifice anymore and our hearts get cold to God we're far away from God and it's time that God wants to get a hold of our heart again and he says listen I don't want you to sit down and put on a show. I don't want you to give me more sacrifices. I want you to have a broken heart over what you have done and how you've forgotten me. I want your heart. Wants that heart. Wants you to love him with all of your heart. And so for this reason, we have to repent a lot. Did you know that? We do. We go back to this book, and I've kept saying it over and over. Hey, when we go through the minor prophets, you know what we're going to see? 
We're going to see Israel pray out to God, get delivered, and then fall back into sin and have to repent again. And then Israel will call out to God. He'll save them. They'll repent. And here they'll be going along and they'll fall again. And you're like, man, what a roller coaster. Guess what? It has to be a roller coaster because we get distracted really easy. Right? We're all like that dog in that movie, right? Squirrel, right? There it goes. And we start to walk with God, and then something goes by, and we're like, let's go do that for a while. And God says, come back to me. Back to me. It's hard for us as human beings to keep our minds stayed and focused on the Word of God. But I also, I've been, I'm going to be done, I promise. But at the top of my notes for this, this is the verse that I would use to describe Joel, the person. Psalm 119.97. Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. We can't sit around and just read the Bible all day long, but it ought to be in our mind, right? We ought to be thinking about it. My meditation all the day. So, quick, I'm, I'm done. Here's the conclusion. Joel. He sees what's going on in his world. He relates it to God's people. He reveals the scripture to God's people. He tells them of the restoration of God. That's a big one. And he calls them to repentance. I want to be a Joel with what's going on in my world. I don't want to be the guy that goes around and, man, can you believe what just happened? Oh, man. The world's never been worse. Well, it's been pretty bad. If you read the Bible, you actually will find out there were some times it was a nasty place to be. I don't want to be the one that doesn't know how to relate current events correctly to Scripture. Because you know what? Always hope. Christ. As a matter of fact, did you see that part, a new heaven and a new earth? I'm going to be there. I'm going to be with him in that new heaven and that new earth. I'm going to be with him in this place where, where he will reign, where the lamb is the light. We don't need a son anymore. That we will just worship, we'll worship, we'll move from place to place. We will honor him. We will do exactly what we were designed to do. Oh, man, I, I, can't, I can't even start preaching on it. We'll be here all night. Go get it. Go get it on your own image bearing bearing the image of God we don't just don't know how to do it yet one day we will they will reflect him right what a day that'll be what a day every head bowed every eye closed come and get a hymn dear heavenly father we want to thank you just want to praise you for your word When we think we have a handle on it, Lord, you, I feel like you just you blow us away again with what is so relevant, so real for right now. Book of Joel. God, use it in our hearts and lives. Dear God, there's, there's friends, family members all around us. They see what's going on in our world too and they got questions. Do we have answers? Do 
we have answers that are full of the Word of God, full of the love of God, that are, that are real and satisfying. We should. If we're people of the book, we will. Help us to fall in love again with you. We praise you for what you've done in our hearts and our lives tonight. If there's anyone that needs to come and pray, maybe they need to pray with someone. Maybe they need to pray where they are. Dear God, just let your word do the work in our heart it needs to do. In Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. As we stand and sing, would you sing the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure that he would give his only son. To make a wretch his treasure How great the pain of searing loss The Father turns his face away As wounds which mar the chosen one Bring many sons to glory. Behold the man upon the cross, my sin upon his shoulders. Ashamed I hear my mocking. But 
His wounds have paid. 